is your own. So if you're saying to yourself, you know, I'm overweight, my middle's big, I'm a pear, I'm a square, it's not actually doing anything to boost your self-confidence. When I look at a person, I actually don't look at them in that way. I see them as, wow, Alex has got, and I haven't met you in real life, Alex, but there's things about you that I automatically see that if I was dressing you, I would dress to highlight your assets rather than to say, oh, Alex has got, you know, a middle-aged spread. Not that you're middle-aged, but, you know, I'm not dressing to hide things from people. I'm dressing to accentuate their assets and the things about them that make them feel great because that's what's going to give you confidence and give you presence and make you feel good when you're showing up in the world. Yeah. Hello and welcome to the Brand My Career podcast. I'm your host, Alex Cutterford, and I'm so glad you're joining me today. My goal is to help you take ownership of your career, find your people through personal branding and networking, and take career-enhancing action. Managing your life and career can be hard. That's why every fortnight I'll be releasing an episode where I interview a diverse range of guests that will help you find clarity and build confidence in your career. Let's get into it. Welcome back to another episode of the and today I'm lucky enough to be joined by Lisa Stockman. She's a stylist based in Melbourne. Uh, thanks for joining me today, Lisa. Hi, Alex. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to get in and have a chat. We've sort of connected a bit over LinkedIn and, and had a bit of a catch up. And um, I think we're going to be able to have a really cool conversation today about style and how people can sort of be showing up in the world, feeling their, their best self and really confident. So. Um, looking forward to diving in. But I was sort of keen to start by first exploring a bit about your career journey um, and what sort of brought you to this point. So would you want to sort of start off uh, maybe just introducing yourself and um, sharing a bit about your sort of career journey up to this point? Yeah, sure, Alex, thank you. Uh, So as you mentioned, I'm based in Melbourne. I'm a personal stylist and uh, my career has been like walking in one of those hedge mazes uh, in a theme park because it's taken me a long time to work out finally what I was put on the earth to do, what brings me joy. Mm. And so I started my career actually in sport management. I, I thought that I wanted to be like Jerry Maguire and be an athlete manager. Uh, when I was in grade six at school and and they asked us what we wanted to be when we grew up, I said an athlete and a fashion designer. So I, I never quite cut it as an athlete. And so I guess when I, when I finished uni, I thought, well, uh, maybe I can manage athletes. Went down that path, but it was never really, you know, my passion. Yeah. And I guess if I look back, uh, probably since the age of, I can remember since about nine, I used to love going shopping with anyone who would take me and it wasn't really to buy things for myself, it was actually to pick things out for them. And so even in the 90s, early 90s when I was finishing uni, uh, personal styling wasn't really a career. There was certainly editorial and fashion styling. And anyway, I progressed through my uh, corporate career and 15 years ago, I opened a retail uh, boutique here in Melbourne, which was a denim and basic store. Mm-hmm. 
and I had a lot of clients that I would see outside of the store and I would fix their wardrobes and things. Uh, and when I sold the business and went back into more of a learning and development role within corporate big retailers, I've always had a real passion for style and retail. And I would see clients as my side hustle for about 15 years. Yeah. And then back in 2019, I realized I was a terrible employee because all I talked about were the clients that I would see on weekends and that's really what brought me so much joy. Yeah. So I went back and did some study in styling and realized that that's what I really needed to be doing. So I uh, took the plunge and made it my full-time business which was very scary, mm. and have a look back since, even through two years of lockdown and COVID. So I'm here, I'm loving it, and can't imagine myself doing anything else. Yeah, that's awesome. So it's always it's always been there, and you've always been sort of doing it in some sort of capacity, um, but it wasn't until around 2019 that you sort of launched fully in full-time styling. Yeah. Yes, yes, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I love it when you hear people that from that really early age um, were expressing um, those desires to do that something and that they actually go and do it. It actually, so for me, I can remember as a kid sitting there playing with my Lego going, I want to be a builder and I eventually became a builder and I've then also since moved on from that, but um, it's uh, sort of, you know, the step in the road that got me there. But, um, yeah, it's, so it's really cool to hear that that was a, a passion that you had identified as a, as a young girl and, and then actually stepped into that. So that's awesome. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I feel very fortunate. <clears throat> yeah. Um, so you sort of had some corporate career running alongside that there. So um, do you... Do you think that there were skills, though, that you were learning in, through that career that have served you in the work that you're doing now? I think you, if you're open to learning, every experience that you have in life leads you to where you need to be. Uh, certainly in corporate, I learned a lot about the game playing, uh, what people need to do to survive in corporate. I think it's really not an easy environment, particularly as I was... Uh, you know, my formative years in the 90s for women uh, in industries like sport management. <laughs> mm. Certainly uh, before the Me Too movement, you know, things were very different back in corporate yeah. in those days. Yeah. Uh, and I've learned a lot from about leadership and how you develop teams and how you treat people or not treat people. Mm -hmm. And I also learned that uh, one of the things I'm really passionate about is people's stories. So what's led them to the careers that they're choosing, how they see themselves and how they want to show up in the world. And so, uh, and also the impact that uh, what you wear matters where, when you work uh, and, and the roles that you want to step into or how you see yourself. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's definitely helped with the being able to empathise with your clients and, and understanding what they're trying to achieve and, um, yeah, all the emotions that are going into why they've probably come to you to, mm. to get that support. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so we might dive into... I'm really keen to, to hear your thoughts on, I guess, um, what styling... Uh, 
can achieve and I guess how it's communicating to the world um, and what it's communicating to us through styling and, and fashion and clothing? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I think everyone would have heard expressions like you don't get a second chance to make a first impression. And unfortunately, whether you like it or not, people, the first time they meet you will judge you by your appearance and those non-verbal communication skills. Mm. And so it's really about um, showing up for the best version of yourself and whatever that looks like. So depending on the industry you're in, uh, how you show up will look very different. Mm. So for example, if you're working in a really creative space, and it's not super corporate, what you wear to work can be very different to someone working in a C-suite environment for a consulting firm that's quite traditional. Uh, I think, I wish it was different, but I think women are judged far more than men men are, uh, not only for uh, what we wear, but also our weight. Mm. Uh, I think, you know, all you have to do is look at uh, television to see, you know, the difference between men and women. We seem to be still stuck in a in a bygone era where women are supposed to look a certain way and men can get away with looking quite different. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I work with people, it's me really understanding them as a person and what they want to achieve. And the way that I help them do that is just through clothing. It's not to make them look like the best version. Um, it's not like to make them look like someone else. It's to make them look the best version of themselves. So when they're stepping into life, they're actually not even thinking about what they're wearing. Yeah. They can walk out the door in confidence, just knowing that um, they're ready to go. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, I think it's definitely, yeah, it's amazing how powerful clothing can be. Mm-hmm. in um, yeah, communicating to someone something about yourself before you've even opened your mouth. Um, like I was, when we were chatting, I was joking about how um, my boss and my, my sort of two bosses, my supervisor and my director were sort of joking about, oh, Alex is going to be our boss in a couple of weeks because I'm, I'm always um, wearing my suit and always got my jacket on and... Um, and things like that, and so yeah, it's a it's a funny little thing about the way that um, we can communicate our intent and our values and stuff through through our clothing, and it's mm-hmm. yeah such a powerful thing. And and like you said, people do like whether we're consciously doing it or not, we're making assessments on someone based on the way that they're dressed, rightly or wrongly, um, for good reasons and bad reasons all the time. Um, and so it's it's uh, yeah such a powerful tool. So. And you sort of touched on something there that I wanted to sort of dive into a bit, and that's around body shapes. So obviously we've all got a different body shape. I, I, I think of, I think pear might be my body shape because I'm definitely getting it more around the midriff than anywhere else at the moment in this stage of life. I'm, I'm into my 30s, and um, yeah, changing body shapes is also a big thing for people and, and sort of navigating that. How do you sort of approach the, the body shape conversation with people? Well, I love this question, Alex, because I, I teach a lot of styling workshops and one of my most popular is dressing for your body shape with confidence. Mm. Yeah. Um, and I teach that to, to men and women. So a couple of things I'd want to say on that is there is a lot of information 
online about uh, dressing if you're a pair, inverted triangle and so on. And I don't look at people like <laughs> they're a shape or a piece of fruit uh, because <laughs> Because I think if you go to the supermarket and you pick up a pair, there are millions of different shapes and sizes of pairs. And I think, unfortunately, we've been conditioned to putting ourselves in this pigeonhole that we are this particular shape, geometric yeah. shape or piece of fruit. Yeah. And I think it does nothing to help your self-confidence. Yeah. And the voice that you're going to hear most of all in your life is your own. So if you're saying to yourself, you know, I'm overweight, my middle's big, I'm a pear, I'm a square, it's not actually doing anything to boost your self-confidence. Yeah. When I look at a person, I actually don't look at them in that way. I see them as, wow, Alex has got, and I haven't met you in real life, Alex, but there's things about you that I automatically see that if I was dressing you, I would dress to highlight your assets rather than to say, oh, Alex has got, you know, a middle-aged spread. Not that you're middle-aged, but, you know, I'm not dressing to hide things from people. I'm dressing to accentuate their assets and the things about them that make them feel great because that's what's going to give you confidence and give you presence and make you feel good when you're showing up in the world. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what are my assets? Well, already I can say, I mean, you've got an amazing smile, but... It's definitely your eyes and your eyebrows, which I'm sure you've heard before. Uh, my wife is always at me. My, she, she always wants to wax them or, or to, to pluck them, just like a little bit. She's like, I just want to give them a little, just a little bit of shape. And I'm like, get away from my eyebrows. Well, I have to tell you, I've got two teenage boys, 15 and 17. Yeah. And I sat them down very early on and I said, you don't want to be the dude that's got the monobrow. So they are experts at just doing little, yeah. you know, but it doesn't look too over the top. They still, yeah. you know, so yeah. Just a little bit of sculpting. Just a little bit of, yeah. of manscaping. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, nothing, nothing wrong with manscaping. Um, yeah, so, no, that's that's really good and, and I assumed you would have that sort of, that positive outlook on things and I think it, it really is just about encouraging that whole piece of people not hiding aspects of themselves but they're sort of yeah feeling comfortable within themselves and um, and things like that I think is a really great conversation to be having um, for men and women just to yeah sort of embrace their body for, for what it is and and the service that it does you um, yeah like I've I've just had a bad back for the last two weeks, so so I have been rather incapacitated. But on the most part, my body serves me really well, um, and works really hard to get me through my life and doing the things that I want to do. And then we can be so negative towards it. Absolutely, I have to say every morning I go to the gym six times a week, and every time I finish a workout and I before I drive off in my car, I thank my body for allowing me to do what the things that I want to do in my life. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, that's awesome. That's yeah. so good. Um, great. So that's, that's something that I really wanted to dive into. One of the other things is around dress codes um, and in the workplace. And, and obviously this all plays into it. And that whole thing of people wanting to feel comfortable in their body, but then also the workplace that they might be going to having a very particular dress code. 
Um, what are what are your thoughts around dress codes and um, how can it be done well? How how is it done poorly? Do you think? I think. Uh, when it's done poorly, it's because it's miscommunicated or it's very vague. And I actually, there's very few workplaces where I see this done really well. Mm. Uh, and it tends to be the ones that are done well are the ones that are very strict. So uh, I have a client in Perth at the moment and the dress code, she works for a, a mining company. Uh, she's a young executive, she's 32. Uh, and the workplace, I don't know if you're familiar with the show Suits, which yep. is the one that Meghan Markle uh, yep. <laughs> started on. I love Suits, yeah. Yes. And it's full power suits, yep. you know, bodycon dresses, heels. And rarely do I, you know, even when I dress, I dress a lot of C-suite executives. That, that style of workplace dressing is very rare now in Australia. Um, but she works in this environment where that's exactly what they wear and it's actually quite difficult to shop for that because mm. people just don't buy that stuff anymore, you know, yeah. particularly post-COVID. So I think if you are working in a business environment where you're responsible for, you're in HR or people and culture and you're responsible for developing dress code procedure, the thing that I would be really, um, you know, clear on is stepping out what the guidelines are, be really clear on what it is, but also communicate it. And I think it has to come from the top that people reflect the way they want their team to dress. Uh, so I think dress codes, yeah, and this whole casual Friday or what fun Friday, whatever it is, I, I don't get it. Um, what a lot of my clients that I work with, one of the key questions I ask is, you know, uh, are your is your role internal or external facing or both? And then I will always ask, you know, what sort of client environment are you in? And we dress to suit the environment. So if you're going into a new role, I would always suggest that you research the industry that you're in and what are other people wearing in the office. And, you know, I always err on the side of dressing up rather than dressing down. So take pride in yourself. And it really goes from head to toe. So it's everything from, you know, having your nails trimmed and clean hands. Um, I can't tell you how many doctors I've worked with that I've had to say, please don't wear a tie. They are the most unhygienic items of, of your wardrobe. Yeah, right. um, so it's really industry dependent and um, you, a lot of my clients say they don't want to stand out. They want to be the best dressed in the room, but they don't want to stand out. And it's yeah. that fine line of achieving that. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, casual Friday is funny. Um, my wife was just chatting the other day about how I think one Friday a month they're gonna, it's sort of going to be a bit more casual and stuff. And she's sort of sitting there going, I don't know what I have that I can wear that is casual but still profession like professional for the the environment like and stuff like that so yeah it's definitely um yeah that can definitely throw a spanner in the works because you're sort of still trying to actually well, it's like well I still need to be professional and show up for work in mm. all the other same ways that I normally would so yes <laughs> it can yeah. be a challenge um and I really found it challenge when managing teams um when it comes to sort of setting expectations around dress code uh, and then obviously and it's always such a hot topic like 
um, the whole thing about there's a dress code in place, but then people interpreting that differently. And then mm. also just simply, this is what I feel comfortable in and I don't want to go out and spend heaps of money on more professional clothes when I think I look professional now and all of this. Um, and especially as a male, the idea of telling a female how to dress, I find, um, I find that uncomfortable for numerous reasons. I'm sort of like, mm. isn't that something we're <laughs> trying to get away from? men telling women how to dress um, and then all of a sudden, but obviously there's a, there's obviously a professional context for it as well, that this needs to be handled in a respectful and appropriate way. Um, but if those expectations um, within the organisation are sort of flimsy or um, could chop and change from day to day as to what's the standard and what's in and what's out and what's okay and what's not okay, then it can, um, yeah, it can get really murky for, for everyone, for the people trying to hold the standards and for the people being asked to dress certain ways and stuff. It's, um, mm -hmm. it's a fun one to navigate at times. I have a really good example of that if, if we've got time, Alex. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Uh, I was doing some uh, consulting for one of Australia's biggest retailers that's um, actually a global global retailer and they were having some issues in this space and I ran some workshops for different levels of managers and these were field managers, so area managers, state managers, country managers and there was a real, um, because it was retail and clothing, a lot of these managers were showing up very, very casually. So they were dressing almost like their team members. And one of the first questions, because they were very opposed to doing this training, mm. <laughs> uh, because they thought, well, you know, you don't have the right to tell me what I should wear. And, and you know, that's fine, I understand that. But mm. one of the first questions I asked in the training was, what's your job, what do you do? And, you know, they'd all say, oh, I'm an area manager for so-and-so in this region. I said, great. Um, what's the turnover of your portfolio? And they'd sit there and say, oh, you know, it's X million dollars. And I'd say, and how many people um, sit under your team? And they would say, you know, 20, 30, whatever it was. And I'd say, okay, so you're running a multi-million dollar business and you're leading a team of X amount of people, are you showing up as someone who is running that sort of business? And then they just would sit there and go, mm, maybe not. So it actually wasn't a gender conversation. It was more around, this is, this is the kind of business you're running and are you actually representing yourself in that way? And I found that a really good way to approach it. It wasn't gender bias in that way. It was actually this is the role, and are you showing up in that way? Yeah, 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 absolutely. And so, and I'll share a story as well because it's kind of the mirror reverse of that. So, um, my former CEO talks about when he first started working in employment services. And he started uh, in a role where he was working as a consultant, so you're working one-on-one -on -one with job seekers to help them find employment. And him, on his first day, has rocked up, suit, tie, um, very well-dressed, dressing probably higher or equal to the executive leadership in 
in that company and everyone was sort of almost laughing at him, sort of going, mate, like, you're not going <laughs> to connect with these people. You're dressed way too high level and stuff. And But for him, he was like, this this is just how I dress. This is, this is me. This is how I show up to work and I'm a professional person and, and this is how I'm going to show up sort of thing. Uh, and then he went and set the record for most people placed into employment for the, for a month um, in his like first month of working there. So um, yeah, it's it's funny because sometimes um, like some of the roles I've been is like youth working roles, and so but you're in an environment in a professional environment as as well though. So yeah, often yeah, there's often tensions there to try and mm. work out. Um, where you sort of fit and there's sort of like the overarching business um, dress codes and stuff but then all very different functions and so you're trying to find where you sort of fit within it all and stuff so it's definitely not a um, a cookie cutter conversation is it it's there's lots of nuance to it but uh, it's a good conversation to have I think. yeah yeah. And I think I, I was going to do a post this morning actually about what I was wearing today because after my chat with you, I actually have a contract negotiation. Mm -hmm. And so I, it sounds ridiculous, but I will get changed because right now I'm wearing a high neck, uh, a dress with a high neck, which you never go into a negotiation wearing uh, something that covers your neck, whether it's a long beard, whether it's a tie with a top button done up. It shows that you're quite, not unapproachable, but you're a little bit closed off. Right. I chose this colour today because it makes me feel great. It looks good on camera and it doesn't crush. Yeah. But I feel like the contract negotiation I'm about to go into after this, is this is not appropriate. Mm -hmm. And it's not going to put me in the right mindset to uh, negotiate what I need to. So I will get changed. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah, I love your knowledge on this stuff and just... It's just all the little nuances that, um, yeah, can have such impact on someone's life, can't it? Yeah. Well, I hope the I hope the negotiation goes well. <laughs> I'm so, I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah awesome. Um, so I was also keen to have a conversation around men and styling. It's something that we we're sort of chatting about, and the fact that it's probably. Um, not as fully embraced within Australian culture and stuff. What do you think are the barriers or the reasons why men not, might not be as forthcoming in um, engaging in this sort of conversation? I think it's definitely a cultural. It's definitely a cultural thing. So when I work with clients in Europe, it, it's not even a discussion. Men just come forward and say, "I need help with this." Uh, can you just sort it out for me? Mm. Whereas in Australia and New Zealand, it tends to be uh, my male clients are dogged in by mm. <laughs> their female partners. And once they actually go through the process, uh, they, they don't look back. And I think, um, yeah, I, it's, it's definitely a cultural thing. And I wish men would not see it as something that's vain or... Um, that's going to make them show up to work and people go, wow, what's what's happened to Alex? You know, all of a sudden he's wearing, you know, yeah. brown suits or he, yeah. he doesn't look like himself. You know, as I said before, when you, when you work with a stylist, it's about making you be the best version of you. So you should still look like you. 
you just look more confident and and that's really all it is and i actually you know men shop like a stylist which is really interesting mm. because women shop more often and they tend to shop out of enjoyment more so men go in very much <laughs> Uh, pragmatically and they're like right you know (laughs) I'm gonna go once a year or twice a year Uh, let's just get this over with and in a way it's a little bit like shopping with me because I go in very much with a strategy a shopping list a budget and that's how I work and so I think if men realized you know it's just me going there and doing all the hard work for you and making you look amazing what's not to love you know Um, my, any time me and my wife go shopping together for her, nearly always do I walk away getting more stuff than her. <laughs> because we'll go in, we'll try a heap of things on for her and we'll try and, you know, work through all the different things. Oh, this bit works, this bit doesn't work. Oh, if this had this little difference, then it would work, but it's just not, not working out. And then I'll sort of walk in and I'll try on a shirt and I'll go, oh, this works, and then I'll get... You know, three of them in different colours. <laughs> in different colours, yeah. And then you walk, <laughs> piece of, pair of pants, away you go. So, um, yeah, it's definitely funny. Um, there's a couple of stories that I have around this. So one that I was remembering was actually going back to my childhood. So I, I've i always been interested in in clothing and, and fashion, I guess, in not in a sort of high-end sense, but just in sort of like, oh, you know, thinking about the clothes I wear and, and enjoying dressing well and stuff like that, like even when I was younger. And I can just remember, so growing up as a country kid, um, I can still remember my brother and sister taunting me, saying, calling me city boy, going, city boy, city boy, because I had this outfit that I really liked and it was like a, a matching shorts and singlet sort of thing. Like it was, it was this obviously... Um, out of the box for a country kid apparently and so it was like this taunting thing of like I, I can't even remember why it was such a big deal but um but just going to that whole cultural thing I guess of maybe Australians are all sort of a country kid at heart <laughs> and anyone that's sort of trying to dress too fancy is sort of a, a showboat or something, yeah. or something that's in the, the psyche. So, yeah, it's just uh, it's funny thinking back to that, yeah. The, the ultimate insult for a country kid is being... Really? He's being a city boy. That's so funny. Oh, man. Um, but then the other, so it was around, and you started to allude to it there. So when I was stepping in, um, I got a promotion in my workplace, and then um, it was sort of put to me, you got to start dressing, dressing the part now, because um, I had always dressed a bit more casual because I was working directly with youth, and so my mindset was I, I didn't want to be um, overdressed for that, um, and then sort of stepping into management, leading a team and stuff, and so. My boss had put it to me, and it was something that I was very open to, and because it had actually been something I was thinking about, was I had been wanting to sort of, um, I guess, just elevate my level of dress a bit, but hadn't really worked out how to to go about that, and knew that it would be a thing. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, so when they put that to me, I was like, yeah, no worries, and and so it was, you know, more suit. Um, suit jacket and stuff um, most days for work and f- probably for the first couple of weeks 
it was just this big deal. <laughs> so like every time I'd go and someone would see me in the kitchen and say, whoa, who are you meeting with today? Or, oh, is there a job interview on or something? <laughs> and, um, and all of that. And so, and I started doing a bit of an experiment. I was trying to find where the point was that it didn't get noticed. And so I was wearing the jacket and everyone's going, whoa, whoa. And then... I went jeans, no jacket, and was like, oh, casual Friday, mate. Like, what's <laughs> and so I was like, oh, okay, so yeah, I did this little experiment. And it was funny, I was telling, I was telling one of the, the girls that I worked with, oh, but, and then she was like, all of a sudden she was like, oh, I am noticing how much now we've spoken about the way you dress. <laughs> and so then all of a sudden she was like, oh, yeah, it made her realise, oh, everyone's talking about the way you dress. <laughs> Um, yeah, so it's just um, yeah the quirks of, of those things. I want to go through some scenarios with you, Lisa. Okay. And I thought you could maybe share how you might coach this person um, yep. and then also maybe just talk about some of the ideas and stuff that you might present for, for these different scenarios of how people might dress. So the first one is, so you're a first-time mum about to return to work you work, you work in a corporate law firm as a solicitor. Okay. Before you went on maternity leave, you were crushing it at work, though so much has changed since then. You feel nervous and self-conscious about returning. Okay. So how would you approach that? Well, firstly, I would, uh, with this particular client, I would say to her, how do you want to feel in your clothes? What do you want to project through your style? And I would look at whether there's anything in the wardrobe that we can work with already. But as a, a default position, I think one of the key uh, wardrobe items that you need is a blazer and some button-down shirts. So when you wear a collar that's a little bit open and you're approachable, but you still look polished. So even if you've got a top underneath a blazer that's not super expensive, a blazer will absolutely finish off any outfit and make you look like you're really polished. Mm. So I would start with someone um, like this particular woman and I wouldn't go crazy on a whole wardrobe because your body's still changing after you have a baby, mm. but i just get a few um, elevated pieces that are easy to mix and match um, that make, make her look polished. The other thing that I think is really important is it's very easy to invest in accessories that don't cost a lot of money, but make you look like you've put in some real effort. So mm. today I'm wearing quite a bold earring here. Mm -hmm. I think these were about $49, but at my desk I have a lot of different, a lot of different pairs. So I would say to her, maybe if you just have a few of those at your desk, um, definitely you know, those sorts of things really make you feel like you're put together without putting in a lot of effort. Mm. So yeah. I'd just start small and just build up that confidence. Awesome. Awesome. All righty. The next one is, so you're a 21-year-old female. You're a third-year university student studying electrical engineering. You've just gotten an interview for a pre-grad paid internship with an industry-leading company. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I'm assuming, and you should never make assumptions, but I'm assuming if you're a young person that doesn't have a lot of money um, and you're going into a pre-grad position, you don't have a lot of money to spend 
on clothing. So there's a couple of things you could do here. One is definitely first research the company and see what other people are wearing. So when you're going for a pre-grad position or an entry level position, you want the employer to think that you're already part of the team and that you fit in. Mm. So it's not the place to be showing off your personality, uh, you know, wearing things that draw away from your skills, mm. if that makes sense. Yeah. So for example, yeah. if you've got, you, you wanna look like you just fit in. So I would definitely do that research first and yeah. I'd be wearing things that fit you properly that you feel comfortable in. So whether yeah. it's things that you go to a particular op shop and you look at the designer section, you can get great things from secondhand. Um, there's definitely a lot of suiting and shirts that people get rid of. Mm. Uh, there's also a lot of consignment stores that sell really great quality office wear at affordable prices. So that's definitely a suggestion uh, for someone who doesn't have a lot of money. You can yeah. still look great. Yeah. And be comfortable. So don't wear something that doesn't fit you. Don't yeah. borrow something from someone that doesn't feel like you it has yeah. to still feel like you yeah 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 absolutely um and really great uh career advice there around interviewing is that yeah you don't actually want them to remember what you wore in an interview no you want them to best they you weren't underdressed and they didn't go whoa that person was shabby as anything and walking in and sort of blowing their mind with how amazing you're dressed actually is taking away from what you're trying to get them to remember anyway. So, um, yeah, you just want to be on point. They walk away. They didn't even think about what you wore. It means you probably nailed it. So um, I think that's really good advice. So the next one is you're a 27-year-old male. You've worked as a carpenter for the last decade and decided to get off the tools. You've gotten a job working as a business development officer for a medium-sized company and your role is split 50-50 between the corporate office and being on the road visiting clients. Great. I love this one. Yeah. This is super easy because <laughs> with, with this type of guy, um, the first thing I would invest in is some great boots. Mm -hmm. And, you know, brands, I shouldn't be brand dropping, but brands like R.M. Williams, not only do their traditional boot, but they do great lace-up boots that are such good quality. You could literally just have one pair of shoes uh, they're appropriate also for the industry. So it would make clients feel comfortable. So he would be well presented, but appropriate for the industry. Mm. And then I would have a few sets of pants that are comfortable to travel in. So sitting in a car, um, but also look really great. So something like a chino with it, with a little bit of a satin finish will look a bit more elevated than just wearing a cotton chino. Lots of brands like you know, high street brands do great options and so I'd get them in a few colours. Uh, belts, guys, are not to hold your pants up. They are actually to finish your outfit. Mm -hmm. So I always say they're for form, not function. If you're using belts to hold your pants up, you've got the wrong size. Uh, but belts, I would get a belt that matches the same colour as the boot. So if it's a nice tan, I would stick with a tan belt. It's going to really bring your outfit together. And just a few few shirts that you can roll up, um, have them sitting above your elbow if you're going into a more casual environment or having it um, buttoned down at the wrist if you're going into a more formal environment. Easy as. Done. You've, you've just <laughs> described half of my, um, my wardrobe. 
Um, I and it was actually a thing for me. Like when I was starting my new job, I I was like, I really want to invest in a good pair of boots, and got myself a nice caramel um, RM Williams boot, and yeah, wear it every day. I have to say that shoe is where most men go wrong. Mm. And it's super easy. You don't need many pairs in your wardrobe. You just need good ones. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. I I reckon that's the biggest thing. I reckon for guys, a boot is like the biggest game changer for elevating style. Because the whole thing of jeans, right? Like you can make jeans look really good with a nice... my, My caramel RM boots with jeans I love it's just like so as soon as you put joggers on with those jeans (laughs) see yeah you're in dad bod territory yes (laughs) yes and you know how we were talking about cultural you know that um cultural differences between Australia New Zealand and overseas Mm -hmm. I think if you're a guy and you just want to look really cool the shoe just makes all the difference yeah yeah, so, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, awesome. Okay. So a male and female scenario. So mid-30s, first promotion to a management role in a corporate environment. Um, how would you slightly elevating, elevate your dressing to match? So we've sort of touched on that a little bit, but what would be some of, would there be any other elements that you would add to that? I think fabric makes all the difference. So if you're stepping into a role where you can afford slightly better clothing, this is where I would invest in a much better fabric. So when we talked about the RM Williams being a a super quality boot that's expensive, Hmm. um, it's the same with wearing things like suits and shirts. You want to go for more natural fibres. So if you're wearing things like a wool suit or a jacket, it's always going to look far more superior than something that's polyester. Um, silks are great shirts for women in particular. They always look on point, timeless and elevated. And I think for men, uh, definitely the fit. Like if you're going to buy shirts and you've got an unusual body shape, get a few shirts custom made to fit you. I know it probably sounds quite indulgent, but you know, if you get a blue and a white one to start with, it's not going to cost you a huge amount of money, but you will always look really sharp. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I I actually wanted to do my shirts, but I I get all of my all of my work pants I get tailored because otherwise I wouldn't fit anything. <laughs> so I can't, I otherwise like I got these big thighs, but then no waist, and so <laughs> and so yeah, I always have to get it um, shaped. I always get the waist taken in, and then the cuffs up because I have to buy them oversized to get them over my thighs. <laughs> yes. It's actually very common, yeah. very, very common yeah. in Australian men. Yeah. 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 So um, I think that's one of the things where, yeah, there's little things that you can do that people this often don't think about doing because it seems indulgent, like you said. But you just find the little tailor that's in the back car park of the RSL who does an amazing job and she jumps in and whips them all together and it doesn't cost you all that much more than maybe an extra pair of pants if you went and got a whole bunch of them done. And um, yeah, yeah, away you go. So Makes yeah, a huge difference. 
Yeah. Um, well, thanks so much, Lisa, for all of this um, this great conversation and all of your wisdom and insight. I think it's um, been a really fun conversation to have. Um, how can people find you uh, if they either wanted to work with you or just follow along with the content that you put out and stuff? So I have a website which is lisastockman.com.au. I post a lot of uh, style tips and content on my Instagram, which is Lisa Stockman Stylist. I'm on LinkedIn and Facebook. I love receiving DMs. I love when people ask me questions because it helps me provide content that uh, is relevant to what people need. Hmm. Uh, but all the information is on my website, my packages, how you can work with me. Uh, and thank you so much for having me on, on your podcast. Uh, absolute pleasure. And this finally, you're actually you're getting ready to go to Perth as well, aren't you? Yeah. So I go to Perth. I have clients, a lot of clients interstate. I uh, usually go to Perth about four times a year. Yeah, so cool. I'm heading over in a couple of weeks, which I'm really yeah. excited about. Yeah. Cool. So you're based in Melbourne, but you're sort of regularly going to sort of Sydney, Perth, anywhere else? Uh, London, Paris. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Nice. Uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm very fortunate that I get to travel with my business. It's one of my core values in life is to travel. Yeah. Awesome. That's so good. Yeah. So, yeah, make sure just because Lisa's in Melbourne, if, she, if you think she's someone you want to work with, make sure you reach out and, um, or even just reach out and have a conversation. So thanks so much, Lisa, for being on. Thanks, Alex. Thanks so much for joining me today. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And let's connect on LinkedIn so that we can keep the conversation going. Or head to my website and download my free resource, The Career Building Principles. Bye for now.